Um, I was going to put a little PowerPoint thing up at the beginning, but I ran out of time. We got this new little section in here about cell phones. I think that's really cool, right? So um, we're just trying to minimize the distractions. Um, all, uh, Norm's helping communicate the word. And uh, just, you know, when you come into service, there's certain things that we want to just make sure are right and our focus can be on the Lord and sensitive to the Spirit and hearing, uh, you know, the voice of heaven. And sometimes when a cell phone goes off, you know, right in the middle of service, it's, it's hard to sometimes for people to... Um, keep focus. So, uh, cell phones off uh, is the message there, and uh, some of you have Bibles on your cell phone, so that's pretty cool. With today's technology, it's just amazing how you can have like 20 translations in one little tiny uh, box of a, of a piece of equipment. And so, uh, while those things are amazing, let's just try to minimize the text messaging and, you know, the phone calls out to the world and so on. And saying that, it doesn't mean that if there's an emergency call, things like that, by all means, my goodness, we're not going to make it so it's like rigid and you can't even receive an emergency call. So that's the gist of what the heart of uh, we want to try and do here and as technology kind of advances, we want to be people to move with the technology that it glorifies the Lord, but at the same time kind of minimize it because it tends to be just so complex today. Amen? Fifty bucks. Yeah, that's probably how we're going to pay for a new edition, right? We'll have a second story up above somewhere where we get to ascend to heaven. Or I don't know. Who knows? Trying to keep it light. Trying to keep it fun. Um, the enforcer is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I hope he doesn't have a stick. And I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure he doesn't have a stick. Yeah, he knows how to love us, and he, he knows how to draw our focus and, you know, just greater intimacy. And, and so, you know, that's the message uh, of the yellow block this morning. Um, I want to have fun with today's word. Um, I want to uh, just, I've been thinking for some weeks now, you know, it's interesting that Greg, I don't know where Greg went, but Greg was thinking about <clears throat> years past, and... Um, I, I can only imagine, like Greg and myself, similar experiences. There are things that happen in our lives that are so profound and so substantial and so amazing. And sometimes the littlest things have the greatest impact. And sometimes the grand things have impact, like you know, a marriage or a new baby or a new home, the grand you know, the big things that take a long time to, to experience. But sometimes the Lord comes through the still small voice and in a moment of time does something that is so impactful for our lives that we remember it for years and years to come. And, you know, that's kind of where I want to begin this morning is the prophetic vision of the future and the sight. And um, Ben always asks me at the end of the word, Sean, what are you going to call this word? And I'm like, that's, that's the hardest part for me. I don't know what to call it. I, I, know, I know what I've experienced in God's heart and the word to bring, and it's like, I don't know, call it? So I put some time in on Saturday. And so Ben, the title of this message is The Making of His Tabernacle. Amen? The Making of His Tabernacle. 
And uh, like I was saying, uh, you would think standing up here would get easier and easier. Um, and I haven't figured out yet how to position my emotions to put them so I can communicate. Uh, and I just, when I feel the presence of the Lord, um, you're just undone. And um, so I want this to be a, a, a joyful message, but I feel the presence of the Lord and how passionate he is about this message and how passionate he is about you and how intense his love is for us right now, wherever we're at. And so Judy, you know, she's experiencing some pain and um, hermine and so on. Uh, so while we're conscious of those things and we lift those people up before the Lord, uh, all things are turned to, to good. Amen. 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 <coughs> um, so m many times, even during the feast, as I've experienced, there are times going back where some of the things happen to be so substantial and so significant and some of the things are like experiences all night long uh, from a word that gets brought or from two phrases of a word. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how God does that, but when he pricks our hearts in those ways by the things that he wants us to remember for a very long time, he has ways of making that like concrete in our spirits. And... Um, sometimes he comes through other people, and sometimes he comes by his spirit. Sometimes he comes in a thick cloud. I remember one of the tabernacles, it was like uh, a cloud moved in, and it was just the presence of the Lord that was almost in substance form that you could touch. And it was just amazing. Sometimes it's through audible voices. Sometimes it comes by smell. I remember people saying, gosh, I can smell certain fragrances of the Lord. So however God comes... You know, God is so creative. But in this particular case that I want to talk about this morning, there was a guy named Royal who um, I'd heard about uh, for a very long time uh, through a lot of different people, and I hadn't got a chance to meet him, but he was coming to visit us in this particular tabernacles. And so as we fast forward the story, um, he was a man, like, kind of like what Greg said, you know, when you're experiencing something new, you're not sure what to expect. And on that night, I could sense the anointing of the prophet and the seer and his ability to look into the heart and the depth of the spirit and to draw out things. And I was scared and I was apprehensive because when you go before somebody like that, you feel naked and you feel undone and you feel... And so that night, it was absolutely beautiful. And he knew how to reach into the heart of every single person. And it wasn't up here along the stage. It was this way. And he was walking around to the seats. Even he, being a seasoned individual, a seasoned father, wanted to be held accountable. So he would take a recorder with him. And on every message that he gave someone, he would record it. And then at the end, he would give it to him and to hold himself accountable before the Lord, that the words that he was speaking, looking into the heart, were captured in time, that they could be rehearsed. So after the ministry was done, um, and it lasted maybe a couple of hours, I mean, just amazingly spot on, and he had a way of taking wherever the body was in elevation and taking it up so many different levels. And at the end, 
at the end, you felt like you had just uh, been taken up by the Spirit so many different levels that you left the meeting thinking, you know, God is so great. God is so amazing. All things are possible. There's nothing in my life that God can't orchestrate or fix. And that's how the night felt. And so as I fast forward a little bit, he was an older man, and I think that he knew his time on this earth was coming to a close, uh, the way he was handling himself and just the, the way he spoke and so on. And I remember he, was, he sat down right where Jeff is. The chairs were exactly the same uh, on that night as they are right now. And he walked over and he sat where Jeff is, and, you know, Kathy and Lonnie were tuning into his heart, and, you know, it's the fellowship of the later evening started, and I was sitting over here kind of in awe, and I heard Kathy saying, Royal, uh, what is it that we need? What is it that you see that's the most important? What is it that you feel that we should be focusing on in these next years? Now, I expected to hear a lot of things like, uh, Kathy, focus on spiritual warfare, or focus on intimacy, or church attendance and prophecy, or focus on outreach, or reaching the lost and salvation. Those religious things came to my mind, and I'm thinking, oh, I'll bet one of these things he's going to say, or personal healing, or sonship. At that time, I think I'd just been aware of even, even being a son of the Father, and I was very hungry to learn more, or fear, or walk in boldness. So as all of these things flooded my mind, you know how God has an ability to listen into a conversation? And then in a moment of time, he gives you like what would, it would take for 20 minutes to be explained. And I don't know how he does that, but it was almost like I was getting a 20-minute, could this, could that, could that. And when he finally spoke, I was just amazed. Do you remember what he spoke, some of you that were here? He said, teach them to pray. Out of everything that that man could have told us, out of everything that was in his heart, out of everything he wanted to impart to a few more people before he went to be with the Lord, out of all the things that he had been taught, experienced in his life, all the things that people had imparted to him, all the mysteries of the kingdom that he was beginning to understand in the later part of his life, all the things that he'd written about, all the friendships that he'd made, all of what God planted inside him. I was convinced that it would be one of the things that I mentioned earlier, but he said, Kathy, teach them to pray. I can see his face as he was saying that, and the tears, this was so real to him. The tears were beginning to form in his eyes. And when you see that in a person, it's like uh, down in the lower part of the eyelids, you know how the water starts to form there, and then pretty soon it comes out of the eyelid and it comes down upon the face. That was what it was like to him. That was ho how real the Lord had become to this man. Teach them to know him. Teach them to hear his voice. Teach them to pray. Teach them to understand who he is. Teach them to know him. He wasn't asking to pray the kind of prayer that gets you a better parking spot when you go to the mall, right? 
wasn't asking you to pray about so it's you're right on where you decide to go on vacation or if you should have a boyfriend or not, right? Should I have a boyfriend at this time? I'm a teenager, you know, I, I don't know. All the things are important. All the decisions that we make in life are important. But he was asking to focus on prayer, to know him. The kind of prayer that if you don't connect with him, your heart literally, you, you think your heart's going to stop beating. You're crushed by the load that you're carrying. It's the kind of prayer that if you don't get a hold, you just don't seem to be able to move on. The human body wasn't designed to carry the kinds of loads that most of us carry on a daily basis. It wasn't designed to shoulder those kinds of enormous loads. He wanted us to rightly walk every single day and to have the kind of relationship with the Lord that he knew was coming to this body. He knew by the word of knowledge, by prophecy, by reading the signs and the things that point in the word of God to a time that we're walking in. He knew. And he knew that without prayer, without knowing who our God is, on that intimate and personal level, it would be difficult. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. In Genesis, uh, in Genesis 2, 7, And the Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and he became a living being. So I got some sand here, right? Went out to the town shed. This came from the riverbed down on the, on the Connecticut River. What would you say? Is that beautiful? Is that beautiful? Sand and dirt and rocks and I don't know. It's fun to play with when you're a kid and even when you're not a kid to go out in the sandbox or even to the beach and to make sand castles and uh, to build cool things out there and put a little flag on top of the spire. and I mean sand, right? Sand. Dirt. Dirt, yeah. January, right? It's dirt. It's just dirt. It's sand. All of you guys have seen sand. All of you guys have played in the sand. You know, uh, we understand the scriptures. Here's another thing. This happens to be... Uh, picture that I got given to me by Hypertherm after so many years of service. It's made by Simon Pierce. And the interesting thing is they gave me the whole book to pick out of what I wanted so you could see all the prices. <laughs> and uh, 250 bucks wow. for this thing. It's, it's authentic. You can't buy this thing down at Walmart. You can't buy it at the box store. It, the person that made this was a craftsman. He had learned a trade. He had learned how to, uh, how to turn this into this. 
He had learned how to take something that was abundant on the earth, everywhere, and how do you sift it to take the rocks out? How do you, how do you take the clumps of dirt out that are going to be imperfections in making this? How do, you, how, do you, how do you manage the raw materials to get it to a state to make this? How, how does this become this? How does one become the other? Well, from the places that I visited and watched this process, it's intense heat. Intense heat. This is authentic. It has a little Simon Pierce sticker right on it. If I turn it over, it has a stamped logo built into the, to the so you can't like scratch it off or you can't take the sticker off. It's authentic. Every single one is unique and different because it was handcrafted by a master craftsman who understood how to make these things similar but yet different, unique. Because this one has a handle on it that kind of goes a little weird. But other than that, it looked like others that I saw. And some of the others, there was a little, it wasn't completely round. And I think that's what made it unique and special by the master craftsman making something and putting his name on it. Putting his signature on it. I couldn't make one of these. I've seen them try to blow glass. It takes training and know-how. It takes a master craftsman. It takes one who knows what he's doing, knows what he wants to end up with, knows by maybe being trained by someone else, turning dirt into something beautiful. Amen? Many are called, but few are chosen. How to make the sand become a beautiful vessel. Intense heat. It's the trial of our lives that we must pray through for the Father. You know, when we're in a trial, sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes I want to run. Or I want to uh, go do something very different. If I'm in a trial at work or in a conference room, the first thing I want to do is get out of that room. Go do something else. And so if the sand said to the maker, I don't want to become that. I don't want to become that vessel that's worth more money than anything else or in value. I don't want to be that. We get to have a say in how we walk through the journey. We get to have a say. God doesn't come to us and he's not a master uh, taskmaster saying, this is who you're going to be. He offers it to us. And by intense heat in the trials that we go through, whether we lose loved ones or whether it's all of the trials that we go through in life, God said in his word, I know what I began with and I know what I'm going to end up with. And all I'm asking you to do is continue to seek my face and pray and stay with me. What Royal was saying is God promised us that we would be completed vessels. He promised us that he would get us to a place where we're like his son Jesus, perfect in every way. 
the trouble is, we thought we were perfect to begin with. We thought we were looking pretty good because on that beach, down at Hampton Beach, when I played with my kids, we built sandcastles and all kinds of cool stuff and thought that was really awesome. And so we look at ourselves and we don't understand the distance that we have to go, but God knows. And he doesn't give us all in in one shot. Can you see Jesus in that vessel? Can you see Jesus? I thought about putting my Bible in here, but I couldn't fit my Bible in there. I had to come up with something. Can you see Jesus in the vessel? Let's talk about it for a moment, just in the sense of the days have been really hot recently, right? And what's more refreshing than to come in and there's a gigantic pitcher of water sitting on the table full of ice? What's more refreshing than that? What's more inviting than that? So if this picture were full of ice, would you see the beautiful Simon Pierce vessel here, or would you see the water with the ice? You'd see the water. You'd see what was in it. You'd say to yourself, I want some of that. I just got done mowing the lawn, and I'm sweaty, and you know my mouth is just all that stuff, and you'd want it. Or what about a beautiful bouquet of flowers? roses just out on all sides that were in the vessel. Water was in the bottom. And you came into the table and you saw the vase with a beautiful arrangement. Would your mind be drawn to the vase or would it be drawn to the bouquet of flowers? Most people would look at the flowers. The, 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 the point that I'm trying to make is when you look at a vessel and it's empty, that's what you look at. But when something's in the vessel, it's usually far more important than the vessel itself. The flowers would have meaning to you. Maybe it was your anniversary. Maybe it was your birthday. Maybe it was something special that happened to you. I don't know. But somebody thought about it and decided to build a bouquet of flowers and put them there, and you're looking at what's in the vase. Do you see Jesus? Do you see Jesus? In this case, the vessel's clear. It's not opaque. It's not like this one. It's not somehow cracked and odd-shaped. It's not cut glass so you can't see through it. Do you know the Father wants the people of the earth to see Jesus? But because of the way he's designed mankind, he wants them to see Jesus in you. It's, it's a tabernacle experience. It's a tabernacle anointing. It's a habitation, not a visitation. I feel like this is important in this time because we're going into tabernacles. But, but look at this other vase. This is a vase I've had for a long time. It's not really a vase. It's just some sort of, I don't know what it is. It's almost equal in size. It's equal in the contents that would go in there. It has a similar handle. It has a similar spout. It's almost identical in appearance in every way. It, it's same size. It's got spouts. It's got handles. 
The bottoms are similar in their diameter, can hold the same amount of contents. So if somebody says to you, I love Jesus, can you see Jesus inside this? Can you see the Lord? Can you see the one that created the universe? Can you see the one who says, I love you, I died for you, I'm with you, I'm for you? Well, maybe this person has a gold chain around their neck with a cross. If for that reason, can you see Jesus? You can see the cross. But wait a minute. Let's make this more simple. Maybe we've got a, maybe we've got a t-shirt. Jesus is inside. Right? Jesus is inside. Does that mean Jesus is actually in the container? Because there's a label on it that says Jesus inside? I don't know. It's not, it's not for me to decide or judge. I'm trying to make a point. God is so very interested in us being the vessel, but Jesus is the one people can see. Jesus is the one that people understand there's value in, there's worth There's substance to it. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? Do you not know that God created you for a habitation of himself? And it's so wonderful. I get so lost in thinking about what this tabernacles could be for all of us. And everything that we're going to experience in it, all the, the short things that God does to re, that we remember for decades to come, and the long things and the habitation. But one thing I know for sure, that all the prophets have spoken about, that all of the teachings have been about in the Word, same thing happening over and over and over again, prophesied of a day, in a different time, in a different place, through a different people. And when God speaks in his word about there's going to be a temple that's going to be a glorious temple, a temple that's not made with hands. Mankind has tried to fulfill scripture since the very beginning. God floods the earth, so what do they do? They make a tower. They make a tower of Babel. They make this gigantic city thinking that this is God's will. We've made tabernacles and tents and All kinds of things. But what God has been prophesying, see, those were types and shadows of of a dim representation of what God really wanted. Those are things put in our history, in our the substance of who we are to look at. Solomon's temple, how grand it was. And when Solomon gave the dedication of the temple, God said, I've heard your prayer. Royal said, teach them to pray. Teach them to pray. Teach them to touch Him. Teach them to know Him like I know Him and go far beyond anything that I've ever experienced. Teach them to to go further, to go faster, 
to have a greater impact. Can you see Jesus? Can you see Jesus? And so all of history points to a day where the tabernacle of God is with men. All of history points to a, an ingathering of the people. Can you see Jesus? Where God comes and lives in a temple not made by man's creation. How hard is it? If I were a woman and I were pregnant, if you're a woman, if you're pregnant, and there's a baby growing inside of you, how much effort does it take for you to figure out how to put that baby together? How to grow that baby? God designed you as a temple to reproduce himself. And that baby grows almost without your figuring it out. You take care of yourself. You eat right. You don't smoke. You don't drink. There are things that you do. But all in all, in that time, God assembles that child with his own hand in the womb of the mother, piece by piece, bit by bit. And eventually, the work is done enough for the baby to go into the next phase and to be born and to continue to grow. Such is the temple of God. Same thing. It's like being born through the natural, but God says being born again. Jesus said, it's important that I go away, that the counselor, the one that's going to come in my name to remind you, to help you along the way, to cause you to grow, he will point to me. He will point to what I've said. He will point to my teachings. Can you see Jesus? And he said, he will come and abide in you and live in you. And then Jesus also said, uh, though I go away, I am with you always. Jesus understood the importance of prayer. He found it critical in his life just before the cross to go away into a secret place and to pray and touch his Father and to be ministered to and strengthened. He found it really important to connect with God through the midst of the trial. He was going through probably something similar that we were going through. The trials of life. The intense heat that it takes to do something so extraordinary in the earth that from that moment on, something amazing will take place that will be told about for generations. And he found it necessary to go into a quiet, secret place. So when Royal says, teach them to pray, teach them to know him, it isn't about standing in the marketplace convincing everybody we know how to pray. Those kinds of people pray to be seen by men. Like he told us in Matthew and the Pharisees. He said, when you pray, find a secret place. Find some place quiet, some place that won't be a distraction to you. And quiet everything around you. And in that place, just bear your heart. Just bear your heart. 
think I've learned more about prayer in these last two years. Since 15 years ago, the man stood before us and said, teach them to pray. Why? Because in order to get from this to that, it takes heat. The heat's not comfortable, is it? Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes you want to run. Sometimes you want to give up and try and find a better way. But that's what men has been doing for generations. Building things upon the earth and says it's God when it's not. Building governments. Doing things for people and others. Can you see? He said, I will have my church. And on that foundation, nothing will withstand it. I feel like the tabernacle message to us every time we pray in is God is saying, I want the world to see my son through you. I want the world to know and understand how I positioned the temple of God that man didn't make, that I assembled, that I purified, that I sanctioned, that I brought to a place. So when you're out and about, standing in some line someplace, yeah, you're doing the talking. It's your physical body that's the container that's made by a master craftsman who knows how to bring it to a place of, it's perfect. It's perfect, and it's valuable. And all the time, they think they're seeing you, but they're really not. They're understanding, and they're, they're having a conversation with heaven. They're having a conversation with the Holy Spirit, with the blood of Jesus Christ on a cross that made it available to us to come and experience the Father face to face. It's about uh, not a visitation. It's about a tabernacle experience of a habitation. And I'm convinced that each one of you in these next months and years, there's going to be more and more of Jesus. There's going to be more. And it's not going to be a weird, like a religious thing. It's just the vessel. It's just a vessel made and formed under the hand of God through the trials of this life. So when you get to the end in Revelations, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. This vessel has a testimony. If it could speak, it would tell you about what it felt like to start as the sand. And the intense heat it had to go through it would tell you about it started really small, that some person, master craftsman, stuck a stick into the furnace and started working it and adding to it and adding to it. And the breath of God went through the tube and created a bubble on the end. The story is told about in the Word so many different ways. One of them is the Valley of Dry Bones. And I have to kind of end here, but... One of them is the Valley of Dry Bones. The Valley of Dry Bones, Ezekiel told us about, and God asked him, can these bones live? Ezekiel's like, I have no idea. 
This valley is full of bones everywhere, all kinds, sizes, and shape. I don't know. I certainly can't make the dry bones live. I have no ability. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a uh, guy that deals with bones. I don't know what those guys are called. But God, only you know. Only you know. And the amazing thing to me is that I love this story so much is God, God commanded him, speak to the bones. It's the word of God that converts this into that. God told Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones. Release the word of heaven. Release the authority of the Father. Release his love. Release his anointing. Release his compassion. The things that were dead of the trials of life that we thought were never going to be anything other than the dry bones and the sand and the bones and the sticks and the rocks. How can it be that? God said, prophesy, son of man, and command the bones to come together. You see, it wasn't man's ability to try and figure out, that looks like a hand, that's a foot. It was the word of God that got released from heaven that transformed the substance of what was in that place from that to that. And he said, God said to him, in, in verse 11, I'm sorry, I didn't give you this scripture beforehand, but <clears throat> he said, the story is Ezekiel 37, but in verse 11 he said, uh, he said uh, to me, Son of man, these are the bones of the whole house of Israel. The whole house. In other words, what God is about to do upon the earth in assembling the dry places and assembling the sand and running them through the purification of his word. So it's a pure vessel, one that the world can see Jesus in. He said, this is the whole house of Israel. In other words, there's one way to heaven. There's one way to fulfill God's plan. And it doesn't have anything to do with our creative ideas, and what we think the scriptures mean, so we can go off being busy about creating that kind of a temple. It has everything to do with prayer, knowing our God, knowing his passions in his heart, knowing and yearning and crying out, God, come and live in this temple. Purify this temple until everything that everybody sees is only Jesus. Can you see Jesus? That's the exciting part. That's the amazing transformation that testifies to who our God is. The ability to take the base, the things that are common, the things that are everywhere. Many are called, but few are chosen. The earth, mankind, is called, but not everybody wants to walk through the intense heat to go from there to there. But that's God's plan. That's how much He loves us. That's how much He cares about us, and He wants us to spend eternity with His Son, Jesus, in a love relationship that this world has yet to experience. Kind of love where He first loved us. 
because he loved us, we're able to love others. And so in these next months, I'm convinced that his love, his patience, his perseverance, his kindness, his gentleness, there's more of the fire to experience because I don't think I'm like the vase yet. I don't think I'm perfect. And so humble myself under his mighty hand. God, I want to participate. I don't want to be the sandpaper. And I'm probably going to cry out and not want to go through more trials and testing. And when I do, God, have mercy. Have mercy. Your mercies are new every single morning. Every single day. And so when I'm the one that's complaining... And when I'm the one that's running, and when I'm the one that wants to go find someplace else that's easier, God have mercy. I want to be that transparent vessel, valuable, made by a master craftsman. But I want them to see Jesus. Because I know what he's doing for me. And I know how he's orchestrating my life. And I know how faithful he is. And I know how he meets me. I know how he structures creation to show how much he loves me. I know how he orchestrates the days. And so I'll close with this. Jesus said in Luke chapter, nine, uh, chapter 11, verse 19, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open. Jesus said, everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be open. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? No, it's not our Father. If he who asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead? No. Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So I want your anticipators to go up a couple runs like it did when Royal was here. And I want to see us as a body of people and in prayer for one another in the miracles and the signs, not just for them, because Jesus intends to be glorified out of love, not out of the I have to's or I owe it to him. Look what he did for me, and he can do the same thing for you. That's the attitude. And so from here to Tabernacles, I think that there will be so many things as witness to where God is taking us as those temples, not made with hands, but created for habitation. Habitation forever of his presence. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Yes. Uh, I'm all tied up.
I wanted to tell you something. Um, we've been doing the trail people, and every time those trail people goes out, they say a prayer for all the food that we have been given to them. And now we have over 868 people as of last Friday, so there's going to be more this week. But every time that we send food out, we ask everyone to do a prayer. And he's been blessing us. We did 1,333 pounds today, brought in. It will be going out. So thank you, everyone, and God bless you. Thank uh-huh.
negative there, 33 there, 42 over there. So what Kathy has for her vision is, um, I don't know where it is, but someplace on YouTube there are some worship videos. And I'm pretty sure the way she described it is the, the worship videos have words on them. And uh, they're moving, uh, moving background. So um, what we'll do here is, so there's a computer over here. This computer um, can run up to eight monitors. And I've got three attached. So when there's a YouTube video running in the back, so we'll still do that normally. All the YouTube, all the sound, all the infrastructure of the recording, all that stays the same. That doesn't move. So this computer is going to tunnel into that computer. And the image that's on the screen will now be displayed on this computer. And then this computer will put the image out to all the monitors. So what I really need to know is um, these are monitors I have from home. They're HD, but only 1080. Um, this one is a computer monitor to go up to 19, 1900. So two things, sizes of monitors and location. Right now, uh, Lonnie helped me just put these monitors around, and they're kind of balancing on just like anything we could find. So if it's something that we want a permanent eyes, um, I'd like to make a real stand for it so it's at the right height and it's at the right tilt angle and it's the right size. So if you guys say to me, that 42 inch is great, but it really needs to be bigger and the resolution is borderline, we really need to go higher resolution, then I'll go and look for those on sale. Yeah. Yep. Honestly, yep. Uh, unless the person has an actual pro YouTube page, mm -hmm. 1080 would probably be fine. Okay. Because most pro YouTube pages are using 1080 at best. All right. At this point, but most people that are amateurs are posting things that depending on how it's done, it's going to be selling frame. Oh. Because they're trying to save space. Oh. And, and size of files and all that stuff. So. Couple different things. I need to know how big they are, where the monitors are. I can take up to eight. So if, if we want more monitors than here, I can do up to eight. Um, the cable is pretty cheap. I get that on Amazon. Um, so just in the next few weeks, as Kathy puts a schedule together and tries to set you guys up for um, what she's envisioning to happen at Tabernacles, um, size, location, and how they're mounted. And then if I could have that information, say, in the next two, three, four weeks, I can make something permanent. And no, no. We're still going to have sheet music. No, no. Uh, you know, maybe in some years we'll do that. And I have designed the system to work with that, um, to do... Um, so if let's say the only way that I know Miss Kathy is concerned about power outages. Well, if the power goes out, we lost the piano, we lost the car, and we have to stop. 
the goal is right now, my goal is to support Tabernacles with what she wants to do. What we do with the system beyond that, I'm, I'm designing it so it's not restricted and we can do anything we want. But the goal is Tabernacles. So that's what it would look like if you want to do that. That's just Word. Okay. Okay. So it would look like that, but it would not necessarily be shown here. Right. Okay. I personally, I can deal with that, whether Pastor Cassie can or not is another story. Then you can edit. Right. That's that's just Word. Right. I notice a lot of you. down if you want to change a chord. Right. You do that, and then it comes on all the screens. That's. And see that. That right there, because I don't know if you've got any of y'all have ever been to a church in a sanctuary and the worship's being playing and it's very clean. I can't explain what it does, but it just adds a different element to the worship. And you know, Debbie and myself are like hanging monitors, <laughs> and I know that's something that we've talked about, but it's a little more money and it's going to take. Time to get to that place, but doing those things just—I really, I really wish I had the words to describe what it does for the actual atmosphere at Alkins. That's kind of the goal because if we can then have everything synced both for musicians and, and that's going to be more of an active part for men at that point. Because essentially, what you would do is, as Sean sets up his computer now, mm. it's we have a library of about three to five hundred songs. Do it there. Okay. 
So what you do is you just click this little arrow here, next page, or you have three songs down here, and you just click it. So if I put another song here, so that that song happens to be the same song. But if I want to go back and forth, so that's what you need. If I have Amazing Grace, his name is three other. You just click them down there. Monitors just comes out. I'm just curious on how if there's more than two pages, you got to click the next one. And that's why I've got a mouse here and over there. Yeah, just to explain that a little bit, there's a mouse there that's wired in. Any of these monitors are showing exactly the same thing. And then over here, there's a wireless over here. So, who's ever got this can go to the next song. So, if you, if you come over and look at so let's say, let's say Kathy has three YouTube videos keyed up, and so maybe you do a YouTube video and then you do a regular song like we have, and then she wants to go to the next YouTube. We'll just load them all up and put them on that bottom tray, and all you'll have to do is use the mouse and click it. So, so I don't think this is going to be, so the goal for Tabernacles is, what do we do with the monitors? And if, if we use these monitors, i got to make some stands. And maybe it's not the right location. Maybe we want it up higher. Maybe we want two smaller monitors, one here and one there, like what's over on the drums, right in front of Ben. Um, I'd like to know that, say, in the next three weeks or so, sure. um, as you guys are thinking yeah. about how this all works. Okay. And what we can even do also is, is that if we were, if you're going to choose to do that, then all we do is we just drop our music stands down so they're not even seen, and the screens will be down here. So you're talking about getting rid of clutter yeah. and that kind of stuff, and it's, then it brings you more, more room. Because then the lettering's large enough, the monitor's large enough, to where then all that's down below the screen, and then again, it gives the appearance of all the So when you guys um, shut this all off, you guys probably know where the power strips are. They're all in their normal locations. But before you turn the sound system off, log out of the computer. Just go um, the start menu, and then, and then ben, that might be something that if you don't do that, designate Ben, your sister, or whoever, when the day is done, First thing you do is you come back and turn off the computer, and then you shut it down. So that's the only change. Everything else can lose power, and it's unaffected. And there's hardware under the stage, and there's hard to drive monitors. So 
sound is coming through here. Okay. And I stopped to get a cable that Ryan's telling me about, but I don't know how to tie it into the sound board. And then I have to finish up some software just to make that YouTube thing okay. easy. see the monitors. So, so there's one HDMI input going to a, um, a splitter, mm -hmm. and so by this system, now we probably won't want to do this, but anybody that has an iPhone, you can oh. plug your iPhone oh. into it, and the video and the audio will come out in the sound system and wow. across the keyboards now. I love that. So That's crazy. if you... Um, want to do? Uh, <laughs> if you guys are practicing and you wanted to do um, a song to get to know it, just come over here and plug your yep. plug your iPhone in. Nice. And um, that's crazy. It'll okay. So wow. the HDMI, this yeah. system, we can build on it and yeah. do anything we want with it. Yeah. And then when we're done, we just plug plug it back into the. Wow. Cool. The laptop. Wow. I love and that. And the laptop wow. is the control for the right. whole thing. That's really wow. cool, Sean. And it's plug and play. You don't need to add any drivers or. Okay. So any iPhone will do that. Wow. I don't know. I just wish I was a better techie. I wish I was as good at it as you are. It takes my brain like. I could process it. 